From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict episode 167. Today's show is brought to you by Harry's Exceptional Shave at a fraction of the price and fracture. Photos printed in vivid color directly on glass. My name is Mike Hurley and I'm joined by Mr. Brad Dowdy. What's up, mate? How are you? I'm very well, my friend. How are you? I am really good. I am really, really busy. It's a it's a busy we're busy week here at the uh, at the Penatic household. Got the DC Pen Show coming up later this week, which we're going to talk about on this episode. Do some DC Pen Show etiquette, and otherwise, I've just been running around. I feel like you know everything everything is going crazy all at once. You know, kids are getting ready to go back to school, and you know activities are starting. So you know, once the end of summer hits around here, things get a little bit nuts. So, but. It's good. I, I'm here. I'm talking to you. You know, it's uh, you know, one of my favorite hour of the week. So uh, I say we get it started. Cool. Let's jump into it, Brad. Yes. So hey, before you, we have a lot of stuff to talk about on, on your ledger, which which is good. But one thing our listeners want to know, which I've had more than one person ask me this, is what are you writing with right now? A mechanical like, pencil. Your, your mechanical pencil. Be yeah. more specific. My Rotary Six Hundred. Nice. And what paper? I'm using the pad that you say sent me, which I can never uh, remember the name of. <laughs> spiral pad. Spiral pad. We keep it simple. The Notco spiral pad. So, so on the spiral pad, I yeah. whoops, just banged it against the desk. Aside from that, uh, I have found two things happening. One, mm-hmm. I'm going through this faster than I did the arts and sciences for two. Well, but this goes into point two. It's for two reasons. Point one mm-hmm. is uh, I don't use the back. Mm-hmm. which I would on the arts and sciences. I would use both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is, for some reason, since having this pad on my desk, I've been writing a lot more, and I don't know why that is. Huh, that's interesting. That, that's good, I think. You know, that's a... Uh... That's a that's a good thing to be doing, and you know you can always flip it over when you're when you're done. You know, run through it one side the whole way, flip it over, and then run through the whole back side of it. So you know what? You get... I hadn't thought of that. That's a pretty good idea. Although mm-hmm. part of the problem is. Uh, one of the reasons I've been writing so much is also one of the reasons that I can't write on the back of this thing, mm. um, and that's because of a certain ink that I got, which I'll talk about in a moment. Yeah, we're um, going to talk about it in a second. Yeah, but maybe I'll do that. Uh, but, but I also think that's you know, one of the reasons I've been writing a lot and stuff like that. But we'll see. I mean, I could do it. I mean, you know, the, yeah, yeah. The, your pa- your paper, even with the ink and the nib that I've been using, is is actually surprisingly usable. Good. Um, that's good. Unlike. The product that I'm about to start talking about. Uh oh. Which yeah, is, I, uh, oh, I can it. Yeah, that's I can see that. But <laughs> before you do that, before you do that, let me say I'm using Alami 2000. I just inked it up with the the Quiz Iron Gall Turquoise, which I'm I'm getting ready for the pin show, so I'm inking this one up to carry on the plane with me and have at the pin show, so people can can test out this uh, this this quiz. I guess I'm going with Quiz KWZ. Iron Gall. I don't know how to how to pronounce it. If there is a pronunciation, um, and I'm using the knock, um, the dot dash pocket notebook. So, and it, this this turquoise uh, Iron Gall ink is wicked awesome. It's gonna be really cool. So, all right. I wanted it to I wanted to mention that because people were asking. I, w- I always have a pen and paper handy for the show, even though I'm not necessarily writing, I'll, I will do, jot down some notes. You write a little bit more during the show than I do, but um, I can't not sit here at the podcast and not have a pen and paper next to me. It's like, I would, I would lose my mind. Just like you and Casey talked about on analog this week, you know, how, you know, 
what you're fidgeting with while you're recording. I can't just sit here and not <laughs> not fidget with something. So I usually keep the pen in my hand and click the cap or write a little bit note, note doodle. You know, what game are you playing right now? I'm actually doodling right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not in game phase yet. I'm in doodling phase. Mm-hmm. I do a lot more doodling during this show than I do mm-hmm. in other shows. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, like, I like the idea, because I think somebody mentioned this, of doing that, like, at the start of every episode. But I think yeah. for me, it would be really boring. I do too, just because it's, I don't have a lot of variance in this. And the the reason is I am in a very tiny location. So I have to physically bring stuff into this room where I record. And I don't have a desk, like a traditional desk setup. So I'm usually always using the same pad because of the format, the, um, the reporter style format of these, the dot dash notebook, and then just whichever pen I use. So it would be, we won't do this every episode, but, um, people do just want to get a flavor every now and then of, you know, if we're using something particular during the show. So, but I, I think you're right. It would get boring really quick. Yeah. I mean, for me as well, like I have the, the, the element of noise. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it was, it, was a while into using my Karis Custom Sync all the time that I would edit and hear these weird sounds and then realize that it was me <laughs> screwing and unscrewing the cap. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you hear that way more than I do. Yeah. You're, you're probably cuss me sometimes when you're listening back. You hear some click or something random like, what is that? Was that oh, me? Was that talking about Talking about Karis, actually, I received mm-hmm. my cube. Oh, yes. I like the too. one that I ordered. Yeah. It's a beautiful orange. Yeah, it's awesome, and then I got the red for my uh, Kickstarter backing. It's great. I it's, I'm it's very much favorite. in love with the orange color that I've got because it's it's not bright like the mm-hmm. orange that they make the inks out of. Mm-hmm. It is a like a deeper uh, color. Um, I right. really really love it, and I actually now have two of these things on my desk. Although I'm worried that they're going to bring my desk down, <laughs> uh, so I put them at, f- at separate edges. That's right. For the time being. You need to balance it out. But what I have now is I have like a, a tier one and tier two system. Oh, so I have you. the tier ones right next to me and then the tier twos on the other side of the desk where they always used to be. Cool. That's good. I like it. Good so setup. I'm very, very happy about that. All right. Well, let me let you get back into what you alluded to a minute ago. You got a, you got some paper that's not handling some ink very well and I know exactly what it is. So it's the Baron Fig. Mm-hmm. So Baron Fig arrived. Uh, the work play edition is what I've got my hands on. And so hmm, I really think that they messed up in yeah. creating a limited edition, which is just black. Mm-hmm when they had that beautiful work play artwork on the box. Hmm. Uh, I would have really liked to see them put that actually on the outside of the book. I can see that. Because I don't know why you would make it a limited edition. I mean, I know the paper inside is different, but Hmm. I don't know why they would commission that artwork to be done. Right. Um, And then not put it on the actual book itself it feels like that that makes more sense to me but it's a style choice i mean maybe they just wanted their books to remain pretty like calm which i understand right. if that's right. if that's what they're going for yeah but um, so far the confidants have had nothing on the cover yeah and if, three colors if, i think they've done 
that remains the way that like the way that they do it, even as they do more limited editions, then I will forgive it. But if they start putting things on the outside, then they they missed a trick. Mm. Because I actually think that I prefer the colorway of the gray and the yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to get this one because I liked the paper. Um, yeah. And I saw about it on your website, so I figured I would buy it via mm-hmm. your website. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I actually got the one that they got. Uh, and the quality of the book, the way that it is put together, um, is really great. Yep. Um, like they are very well made. Um, they have a real great feel to them. The, the they really do open flat, uh, which is not easy to do, and it closes flat as well, even after being open flat. So that is a, you know, I I have my hats off to them because even like in the middle pages of the book, they manage to open flat. Yep. Uh, which is very difficult to do. Um, well, I would expect it's very difficult to do because of the amount of yeah. people that can't seem to do it. <laughs> Especially the the more pages you get, like I mean, it's a thick notebook. I mean, yep. it's not like it's forty pages and lays flat. It's you know, it's large. And the paper quality is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's a, I would sum that up about right. Yeah, but it has for me, like I think, as much bleed as the field notes. Hmm. Um, and you know, as I said before, field notes bleed. And I know that is the case, uh, but the trade-off for me is like the interesting design and the the pocketableness of it. Right. A book of this size of a hardback, I don't want my ink to be bleeding. Right. It right. feels like that there is, to me anyway, it feels that there should be a disconnect. Like a book like this, I I want to have to be made out of much better materials, even though the paper quality is very good. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Uh, I don't think it's very fountain pen friendly. Yeah. I thought for some reason I felt that this one was actually more fountain pen friendly than the first ones that I tested. Like the first ones that I tested, I didn't enjoy using fountain pens at all when okay. the when the first gray confidant came out. And I got this one and I was using different pens and inks when I got the work play edition. I actually emailed them. I say, hey, I, I feel like my fountain pens are working better. Did the paper change on this edition from the original confidant? And they and they validated that no, it's exactly the same. So I think it's just a matter of like we talk about with field notes. If you want to use fountain pens, it's not the most fountain pen friendly um, book going by a, a long stretch. But there are certain combinations of nibs and inks that do much better in this type of paper with this type of paper than um than others so you're gonna find like the first time i ever used a baron fig i didn't like it for fountain pens at all and then this work play edition whichever fountain pens i had inked up at the time they worked really well i was it actually kind of it made me it they worked so well it made me ask them the question did something change so i think it's a matter of the pen and ink choices and i do tend to use more gel ink pens in the baron fig um, than fountain pens just because I know for sure that that's going to work instead of trying something random necessarily and being disappointed with the output. So I, I think your assessment is uh, spot on. So without, and I really don't want to do either A, just blow smoke your way or B, just make this show a shill for your product. But <laughs> genuinely, the having used the paper quality on the spiral pad, the Notco spiral pad, which again, mm-hmm. I, do, I can't even remember if that's the name. Why can't I remember the names? I don't know. <laughs> I think you need to give them like a name, like a name. 
name. Yeah. You know, we, think of, we have these discussions. These are long. These are not simple discussions <laughs> when you're introducing products. I, I yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, even if it's like the not co Barry, just give it a name. <laughs> I just want a name because I can't I, for some oh, reason my. I can't remember the name. Uh, having <laughs> used that and then used this, the, the paper quality is so much better. Like, yeah. And the place that I noticed is the most was in using a mechanical pencil, like because on your stuff it just glides, mm-hmm. but on the Baron Fig I could feel resistance, but not the good kind. Right. Um, it just didn't feel as nice to write with. It didn't feel as mm-hmm. comfortable to write with. So my my overall feeling about the Baron Fig is to my my main takeaway from this is both a good thing and a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So this, the way that this is presented and made, the way it feels and looks, this is a notebook that I want to put important things in, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because the paper quality is good. It's not incredible. It's good. Uh, mm-hmm. It definitely does the job. But overall, the overall build and production of this is excellent. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what to put in here. <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> I probably won't put anything in here. That is a problem. Yeah. This is a yeah. problem I don't have with field notes. And the reason that I don't have that problem with field notes, I don't mind them getting battered up, bashed up. I have a ton of them. They slide in my pocket. They go in my bag. They go everywhere with me. And that works a lot more for me mentally into I can just put anything in here. It doesn't even matter. Right. And that's the same with the Knock Co. Barry pad. Mm-hmm. Uh, is I could just I I don't feel like I need to be precious about it, right? Um, so I just chuck anything in here. But this thing for me is too fancy looking and feeling, okay. and that means that I feel like I have to be putting in my hopes and dreams into here, which I know a lot of people do. But yes. like this is a perfect journaling notebook, right? But it that's just not the way that I use this stuff. It sat on my desk and it will continue to sit on my desk for a while because I would like to think of some important stuff to put in here. But that <laughs> tends not to be uh, what I what I do with pen and paper these days. So this is an entire show topic that we could go down that path and we're, we won't do it today, but the preciousness of the tools that we use. And I have certainly changed over the past couple of years um, in my thought process on that, but it's still a challenge in using things. You, there's like a mental block for what the appropriateness of the tool is, right? Well, I paid a lot for this pen, so I need to be like super careful with it and only use it at my desk and only use it with this certain paper. And, you know, I think we could, we can, we can shelve this this topic and, and maybe do one um, down the line because I know we've certainly talked about these things in the past, right? And um, a lot of it um, happened like around the time I bought my first Nakaya. I think that's when the switch flipped for me. That's when I knew I was ready to stop being so precious. When I bought the most expensive delicate item that I own was the day I stopped being precious with the tools that I use. So I think maybe we should uh, we should shelve that because we could go on for another half an hour about that topic because I, th- I think yeah. it's an important topic. I mean, I think it's it's a thing. It's a thing we all have. Like I get the 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 pre- like the not being preciousness of it, but it's like I think there's a difference between what you've described and what I'm describing. It's like I just don't like. I just don't feel like I have anything that needs to go in here. Sure. As that That's couldn't right. go yeah. anywhere else, but having something like an Akaya is like a it's a different experience because you I well, at least me personally, I don't own a pen where I'm like 
this pen's too fancy for this kind of writing. Right. And I know that I'm basically just making the inverse argument on the paper side, but it's just the mm-hmm. way that my mind works is you put things into the notebook and the notebook kind of says something about what's inside it. Sure. Where the pen, the pen is like an extension of me and the notebook is a container. Okay. And for me, those two things create some sort of difference. Well, and to be honest, you haven't used this type of container for the past couple of years. This hasn't been your format of choice either, right? Exactly. Yeah, so it's <coughs> excuse me, it's outside the realm of the the normal writing experience. Yep. Yeah. So. So. All right. So we, we let's put this one to bed, and we can always we can always circle back around it because I'm sure we'll get some emails on the uh, the preciousness argument, and um, you know I I can totally agree with that. But let's let's talk about something that you maybe have uh, have put on some some fancy paper or you know that you got in recently. Do you know what? Hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make the people wait just for a little bit longer. Oh, look at you! Such a tease. This week's episode is brought to you by Harry's. For many of us, shaving can be a pain. It can be a pain on our faces. It can be a pain on the other parts of our bodies that we like to shave. But it's also a pain on the wallet as well because razor blades are expensive and they tend to be either not great quality or because they're expensive, you use them for a little bit longer than you should be. This is what Harry's set out to fix. It started by a couple of guys who wanted to create a better product, which was fairly priced, great quality, and meant that you could treat your face nicer. Harry's make their own blades. They have high-quality, high-performing German blades. They're crafted by shaving experts. But because they own the factory that creates those blades, they can offer them at about half the price of other big brand blades. They will also ship them for free to your front doorstep. On average, an everyday shaver who shaves with Harry's Blades will save themselves $150 every single year because they use Harry's Blades. Harry's Blades are cheaper. They can use them more often. It's a great combo. And with Harry's, your satisfaction is guaranteed because that is something that is important to them. They have a starter set which you can get yourself for a fantastic $15. In fact, you could actually get it for $10, which I'll tell you about in a moment. And with this set, you'll get a razor, moisturizing shave cream or foaming shave gel, and three razor blades. Now, I am a foaming shave gel person. I know that Mr. Dowdy is a moisturizing shave cream kind of guy yep Yep. um but that's the great thing with harry's you get the choice and both of their products are great they both smell great uh but they have different characteristics to them i like the fact that the gel turns into a crazy foam and brad just likes the silky smoothness of the cream because that's the kind of guy it's brad is silky smooth Mm -hmm. so it doesn't you know it doesn't surprise (laughs) me at all Uh, harry's products all look really great they have great design to them which is kind of this really great retro modern style that i like and this is in both like their graphic design but also the design of like the razor handles and stuff like that Um, i think that they're absolutely great i use them myself to keep myself looking sharp i think me both me and brad are uh beardy guys but we use harry's blades to uh oh yeah to just to trim everything down because you know otherwise you're going to get completely unruly and that's not what you want that's right keep it tight and clean and, and, and looking sharp that's it you can experience a clean close comfortable shave for yourself with harry's and i mentioned that discount if you go to harry's.com right now they will give you five dollars off if you type in the coupon code pen addict at checkout um, and that's with your first purchase that's h-a-r-r-y-s.com and use the code pen addict at checkout you'll get yourself five dollars off to start shaving better today with harry's thank you so much to harry's for their support of this show 
Yes, thank you, Harry's, very much. Um, I will be, uh, I mean, you know I'm a huge Harry's fan, and that will be, that's, the. it gets prime placement in my kit, uh, my travel kit that I'm, you know, getting ready to go to D.C. for, so. Yep, I remember, Don't, I remember the, the uh, bathroom smelling great. That's right. Don't leave home without it. You bet. <laughs> All right, so tell us about some fancy ink you got. I, I really want to hear about this. All right, so. I finally uh, received the Emerald of Shivor. Oh, I, I always feel like I'm I, saying that wrong. I think that's what we're going with. That's what I'm going with anyway. So Shivor. Cool. Shivor. I can get on. T- I can get until on they until they produce a new video. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Everything's going terrible. Uh, so yeah, that's so that we're gonna go with uh, Shivor. That'll work for now. Um, so it came in. I think I had I ordered it when we spoke last week. Yes. Okay. Great. Yeah. So you mentioned it because because the U.S. retailers don't have it yet, but like Canada and the U.K. and a bunch of places all over the world have it. But a lot of the retailers in the U.S. are just getting it. You know, maybe this week or next week, something like that. Yep. This was one of my three individual orders to Colt Pens this week. <laughs> You don't have a problem. We should do a podcast about pen addiction. That's a really good idea. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go through with you my kind of thoughts and feelings as I was noting them down. So it came through, I think, maybe on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and this one, as opposed to Stormy Gray, is a great color in and of its own without mm-hmm. all the special stuff going into it. Just the green is really fantastic. So the first thing that I did was I tried out some of my pens to see like what am I going to get the thickest line from, right? Uh, because I I thought that that might give me the best chance of getting a lot of the gold and the color. Mm-hmm. So the first pen that I put it in was my Franklin Kristoff, because mm-hmm. um, I have the cursive italic nib on that guy. And I thought that that might be a good option. So, I mean, this looks great in the eyedropper, uh, but I didn't see any magic from it. Okay. Um, I wasn't really getting anything from the uh, cursive italic nib that was too impressive. It just looked like a really nice go- uh, green ink. And I know mm-hmm. the gold's in there because I can see it in the eyedropper. Mm-hmm. Right? So in like that, that section. Uh, this was the first time that I'd refilled the eyedropper. I used the grease and everything. Nice. Look at you. I know. I know. Um, so then I, I was like racking my brains over this and taking a look at other people's posts. I looked at Ed Jelly's post again where he took some her pictures and stuff with it uh, to try and take a look at like what is what what type of uh, what type of thing is he using here to help try and show me the kind of thickness that I'm going to need. And, and he was talking about like uh, flex nibs and double bold nibs and, and, and I was looking around and finding this sort of stuff online. I mean, and he's writing with some crazy stuff here. Like I don't even know yeah. some of the things that he's using, but like some of the lines that he's got are insane. So right, I assume right. they're like dip pens and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he did, yeah. So I remembered that I bought a Pilot Flex nib mm-hmm. from from somewhere i think it might have been a pen chalet deal mm-hmm. uh i bought a pilot namigi flex the, nib. the falcon falcon that's it yeah okay i bought the falcon mm-hmm. so i got that guy out and tried using that but that didn't give me much 
of a thicker line, more like any more thicker of a line than the Franklin Christoph, so therefore also didn't give me much in the way of specialness. Right. So I thought to myself, there. Look, I know that this is possible, <laughs> right? right? And I'm sure that it is possible with a nib, like that I can put in a fountain pen. So I started looking around, and that was when I came across like the double bold, extra bold. Uh, sorry, double broad, extra broad type scenario. Right. So I went on Colt Pens and took a look around to try and find the cheapest double broad nib that I could find. And I came across Caveco nibs. Mm-hmm. And memory served me that I could put the Caveco nib in my Karis Customs Inc. Okay. Whether that's correct or not, who knows? Uh, <laughs> I bought it. It arrived. I put it in the ink. It took a bit of uh, persuasion sure, to get yeah, in there. Uh, but I was able to do it. And the key was, you know, anyone will find it. Obviously, I had to keep the feed and the, um, what's the other part? You know, the part that you actually put the metal of the nib onto. And put the metal of the nib on. I mean, that's the feed. Okay, it's all the feed. Because yeah. I was thinking, mm-hmm. like, there's also that part. So, anyway, yeah, of yeah, course, there's it's all like the feed. a co- there's a collar around the collar. That's what I was looking for. Okay, that's what okay. I was looking for. So I was able to put it fit. So you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> can you do you know if you can do this? Did I make this up? I don't know. Jeff Jeff uh, jammed a pilot Kakuno nib in one of his uh, in his Kara's Render K, which has yep. the same uh, nib unit and section. So I think you can pretty much do anything as if it fits. Yeah, you're yeah. good. It fits. So uh, it took it took a bit of fighting to get it to get it to work. Um, yeah. But but I got it in there, and it and I've not had any explosions or anything. <laughs> Um, so that yeah, you know, I, I was able to jam it in, and this is just like a wonder. It is almost like a pen from heaven. Oh wow! Because you know, I love these things anyway, right? Right. And I am now. I mean, I used to love broad, and I have not used broad or bold nibs in a long time. Yeah, I remember you. That was like the primary thing. Yeah. Like what back when we started. Like I was looking around and I was struggling to find a broad hmm. nib, like mm-hmm. just around. Uh, and this thing is like it just ink flows out of it. Um, it's so smooth, it's just fantastic. But plus, this emerald of Shivor is incredible. So when you get the 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 larger ink flow out of the broad nibs, you're really, the ink's popping for you now. Yeah, I'm getting mm-hmm. color variation, I'm getting gold, and it's happening constantly. That's great. And it is just awesome. Nice. You are going to love this. Well, good. I, I can't wait to try it. I I have a feeling, I'm, I mean, I know I'm going to like it, like this turquoise color I'm using right now. As you were talking, I, I was putting this color on the page to see if it, it's kind of like the, a little bit like the greenish of the uh, Shabor. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like it very, very much. And I'll actually probably use it in the same Lamy 2000 pen once, uh, once I do get it. So yeah, that's great. It really, really is awesome. So I went on this whole big journey, <laughs> uh, but finally got to a point where it's all working. And yeah, I, I really, really love it. I really love it. It's, it's that- come out great. Isn't that funny though? Like 
this is how we are in this community. Like this one simple thing led you down this path and then we can have this conversation about it for like 10 minutes and we're all like, yeah, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's like, if you had this conversation in public, it'd be like, you know, we're talking about uh, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, you know, in the middle of a restaurant. <laughs> You know, it's like a different it, language, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's it's great. I love it. That's why we do this. I it it's fun. I, I I'm just sitting here grinning, listening to you, listen to you talk. So it it's pretty cool. So that was order number two from Colpens <laughs> in a week. And then there's a well, third. Yeah. So <laughs> I I don't know if I mentioned. I don't think that I did that we were looking for a new pen for Adina now that her mini, Twisby mini, broke on her. Yeah, I can't remember if we talked about that on the show or we talked about it on the side. We definitely talked about it. I can't yeah. remember if it was actually... It was probably in the episode last week when we were, we were talking with uh, Dr. Deans about Twisby. Yep. So, yeah, I think we talked about it then. So, she was mentioning it, um, and I was like, uh, I don't really have... Because, you know, we went through this whole thing before, if you remember... Mm-hmm. a sure. while ago oh yeah was, you went through like this whole discovery thing for her yeah and i was like i don't really have a great option so we bought a twisby eco okay so because the thing is i was thinking about it and i was like i know that she loves twisby nibs yes so i could because uh, that was part of the big thing was the nibs because she she wants two things she wants to feel good and she wants to look good she likes the way that the Twisby nibs are kind of um, drawn out, like you know, the, the decoration on them. Yeah. And we got like a medium or something because they were out of 1.1 stubs because I'm assuming I can swap the nibs on this guy. Uh, no, this is a different nib unit, <sighs> I think. Yeah, I don't have an eco yet, but I think these are um, these are more f- these are more friction fit uh, nibs, and I think I don't know. You might be able to finagle something. I, I just don't know. I haven't had my a chance to play with it directly myself, but pictures tell me that the previous minis and the five eighties have full nib units that you uh, screw in, and the ecos look like from pictures look like a friction fit nib. But just getting another nib for that should be pretty easy. Uh, hang on one second. Right. On Goulet Pens, what nib does the Eco use? Can it take a nib from another Twisby? It appears to use the same nib as the Classic and Mini, and they're interchangeable, but you have to physically pull the metal nib from the housings of the Classic or the Mini to fit it in the Eco. Right. There is no nib unit to swap, so... Oh, man. Like, I have to yank the nib out of the Mini. Well, that's not far from what you did for the... Uh the ink you were just talking about no i kind of twisted it out of there yeah it's it's gonna be the same theory oh okay okay it it just you know it's gonna take some elbow grease to to do it but it's it's gonna be the same theory yeah and thomas hall just tweeted at me to tell me that i should be able to pull the nib uh, on the eco not sure if they'll sell replacements but you'll be okay yeah (laughs) i'm gonna give it a go i'm gonna give it a go like actually, uh, that's why I want the eco is because of how those nibs are designed for swappability and even using other nibs um, on that size size pen. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so I will give that a go uh, yeah. because we couldn't get the one point one, and I said to her that if for any reason we it wouldn't work, I would just buy it from her mm-hmm. uh, and I'll use it. But the reason that I went with this one is 
because people are saying it's better made, um, especially the One Piece grip, because both of hers are broken on the grip. Yeah. That's always where that, that's been the most, uh, the biggest bone of contention area for their manufacturing. Yep. And I just got uh, the, everybody's sending me tweets today. Uh, <laughs> Dudek just DM me and said that uh, Dan Smith did an eco vid on YouTube and I'm pretty sure he shows how to swap them. Good. So it's possible. Yep, and now Thomas Hall's saying the same. These guys, <laughs> get in the chat room. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so yeah, it, it seems like it's possible, and it just it just made sense for me to go down this route because she likes the brand, mm-hmm. except for the fact that they break. Yeah, and so we'll pr- if they have fixed a lot of the breaking stuff, uh, then I'm willing to give it a go. And considering she's had them break. In the same place, but they have addressed this. Um, I'm willing. To, I'm willing. To, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt again mm-hmm. uh, on this one. So, yeah. Last call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. So there we go. So, so do you have that pin yet, or is it on the way? No, it's on the way. It okay. might have actually arrived today. I'd be surprised if it hasn't arrived because Adina gets these things shipped to work. Yeah, I think she. I think there's a strong chance that she probably has it, but I'll be yeah. able to talk about it next week. And Colt pins in the UK has like one day shipping. It's nuts. Yeah, I mean so, their shipping is so fast. Yeah, so I, I haven't ordered an Eco yet, but I'll probably pick up uh, one or two. I want two of them. Uh, I'm gonna try t- two two different ones just so I can monkey around with one. Um, I'll probably pick some up at the uh, pin show this weekend. Great. Yep. So let's talk about that pin show, huh? We got anything else we need to cover? We need to talk about another one of our friends. Yeah, we do. Uh, aside from that, I think I'm I've got everything taken care of. So you this is all of my stuff. You've had a you've had a uh, a good pin week. Oh, it's felt good, man. <laughs> I had my hands covered in ink for a couple of days. You know, that's great. Like just changing inks around and ripping nibs out of their sockets. I'm so uh, proud of you. Can you imagine? You know how far we've come, like in the last two years. Oh, I know, I know. I think about it every time someone tells me they're listening from the beginning or something. Yeah, yeah. We just had one or two people tweet us this week. I know I've had at least one say, "Hey, I'm just on episode ten. Do I need to keep listening through?" Well, I mean, they said they were going to listen all the way through, and I was like, "You know what? You will get a lot out of listening from the beginning." Yeah, um, people and- people ask me sometimes, like, "Oh, I've come across the show. Like, shall I go back?" And it's like mm-hmm. I say to what I tend to say to people is, if you can, you definitely should. Yeah. Because more than anything else, if you're kind of interested but not already super nerdy mm-hmm. about this stuff, you should go back because our nerdiness has increased tenfold, both of us. <laughs> Since when we began, especially mm-hmm. with the amount of time we devote to fountain pens, when we started this show, what's like three years ago now, mm-hmm. neither of us really knew anything about them. Yeah. Um. So it, it is useful. If you're listening to this and maybe it's your first episode or you've been listening for a few weeks, I would really recommend going back and listening from the beginning. If anything, you're going to have a lot of podcasts to listen to, right? Because <laughs> yeah. we're we're like 167 episodes in, so it will last you a long time, which is always fun mm-hmm. if you enjoy the show. Yeah. But you will learn a lot as we learned. Yeah, there's um, lots of there's a lot of interesting things that happen, like in the first 
30, 40, 50 episodes. Yeah. Like, you know, saying I'll never use a fountain pen to using fountain pens to taking a break. I get, e- I still get emails for the taking a break episode. Um, I need to go back and listen to that, listen to that one sometime. Yeah. I was thinking uh, about I that. Still, I still get emails on that episode. I don't remember the episode. It's in the late 20s, I think. I, I don't remember the episode number, but I think it's in the late 20s. Um, we'll have to go back and get it. Um, you know, it was it was a sad it was a sad episode. Yeah, because I remember. I don't know. I was just talking about the show and was saying like, you know, it's three years old, but it's hundred mm-hmm. only one hundred and sixty seven episodes in because mm-hmm. we took a break for yeah. a period of time, yeah. and I could all I all I remember was you were busy in life. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean that's what it, that's what it boiled down to. And what's funny is now as as we totally go off on a tangent is that I feel like every week I just feel so refreshed doing this show like it's the first time. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I always I've said it before, I feel like we're just getting started now and we're like on 167. Like I I just feel now that we're just like we've I guess we've hit our stride, but I feel like we're just really getting underway. And, you know, three years into it, which is a great feeling to have, to be honest. Yeah, we are in a very long stride here, my friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. how I like it. It's awesome. Let's take a break. This week's episode is brought to you by Fracture. Fracture make a super great product that I think you guys are going to love. They are transforming the way that people print and display their favorite images, and they do it in a way that I really love. So what you do with Fracture is you will be able to get yourself a photo printed onto a piece of glass. Now, this isn't something where it's going to be framed, like a little little paper picture with a frame around it. No, this is a piece of glass that you receive in the post that has some lovely foam on the back so it can be mounted nicely, that has a picture printed, sandwiched right onto the piece of glass. And it makes your photos look like you've never seen them before. It really is awesome because they're edge to edge. That's one of the things that I like about it a lot is... All you have on the wall is the picture. There is no frame, no mess, nothing. It's just the picture. And that is a very different experience. You are putting the picture on the wall. You're not framing a picture and putting the frame on the wall. The picture goes on the wall. And that looks fantastic. And it's so simple to get one of these for yourself. You just go to FractureMe.com. You upload your photo. You choose the size you want. They have sizes. Uh, they have square sizes and rectangle sizes. The square sizes are really great for like Instagram shots and stuff like that. If you want to print some of those out, because they're smaller. Um, and then you can get rectangle sizes all the way up to 21 by 28 inch, which is huge. Um, so you can get some really big prints of some of your favorite photos there if you want to. And then you just you select the size you want. You make sure it all lines up. They have like a quality checker and stuff for resolution to make sure it's all going to look okay. And they let you know if it, if the picture is in too low resolution. And you know because they want you to know that the 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 picture you're going to get is the best possible quality and the print's going to look great when it's sent to you. Uh, it's then all made in Gainesville, Florida, and they'll ship it out to you. And I've had these sh- these things shipped from Florida to the United Kingdom. I I've had six sheets of glass sent to me <laughs> and they all arrived completely intact. It's abs- Their packaging is really fantastic because it's all kind of like packaged together. Like the same foam they put on the back is it made is in the boxes and they have like these great carbon. They're taped up really well and it's all kind of like really nicely sandwiched and kept in there to stop it from all rolling around and stuff like that. Um, you also get everything you need to, to hang or mount the, the, the picture. They, for the squares, the little square uh, shots, they'll send you a uh, little 
uh, stand if you want it. You can get a little stand. Other than that, they're going to give you a screw in in the box um, with all of the prints, so you can put it straight on the wall. I think that fracture prints are just so fantastic, and you know there are lots of lots of artistic people. Um, that that listen to the show. I've had people. I've had a, a friend of mine send me uh, something that she painted as a fracture as a gift, which was really oh, cool. really nice. So you can do that kind of stuff. You scan in some pictures or some stuff that you've done, and you can get them on fracture prints. So fractures are not only great for you; they're also fantastic gifts. They're a really great gift idea, and they have prices that start at just fifteen dollars. So they're not going to break the bank, and you can get yourself. Uh, and you can get yourself a discount and support this show. You better get yourself 10% off your first order with the coupon code PENADDICT. Just go to FractureMe.com to get yourself started. Thank you so much to Fracture for supporting this show. All right, so I want to talk about the DC Pen Show. Um, it's coming up this week. We've been talking about it for months. But I've gotten, now that it's here, essentially... People have been asking questions about pen show etiquette, and we've covered this kind of stuff when, you know, we were going to the Atlanta pen show when I was going there, um, you know, before you made it over um, for this year's show. And, you know, people, it's an intimidating thing, kind of, for people who have never done it. You know, the first Mm -hmm. time I went to Atlanta, I was certainly like deer in the headlights. So just talking about it, a lot of this is going to be old information for some, but it's new information for a lot of people. And that's what we want to try to share with everyone to make all of these people who are making it their first show or their second show feel comfortable, you know, going into what's really I, the biggest pen show <laughs> on the on the planet, um, supposedly. Yeah, because there's going to be a bunch of things in this list where you don't even know what to expect. Yes. So this is going to be, this is a one of a kind adventure, apparently going to DC and Lisa Van S has helped me out a lot with like these, like the pin show etiquette things and what to expect from DC because last year was her first year and she was really overwhelmed. I mean, she just talks, she can't, it's been hard for her to put into words how busy it is, like relating it to, okay, what Atlanta was and then extrapolating that into what DC is going to be. She, she said, it's like, hard to even make that jump which is just kind of mind-boggling right it's so different she says and so bit so much bigger so much busier that um you know it it could be a little bit in- intimidating and, and it's kind of not to... the same thing yeah at that point yeah. right yeah yeah so so i want to go over just kind of a few primary topics that a lot of people have asked over the past couple of weeks um to hopefully help out, you know, when they get to DC and, you know, are trying to make their way through, through the show. So the first thing that should be the first thing on anyone's list, if they're looking to do it at a pin show and not this isn't just DC, but this is any pin show. But if you're looking to get nib work done, you need to do that. You need to plan for that. The very first thing when you walk through the door. So if you know, you're going to get nib work done. And I think Lisa said there's probably six or eight, uh, uh, people working on nibs there, you know, uh, Mike Masayama, Richard Bender, I don't know the whole list of them. But like, if you want Mike Masayama, you need to walk in the door the morning of the day you're there and put your name on the list, because it might be the afternoon, even at that point before you get to it. So, so Dan Don in the, in the Slack room, he said, how do you run to all the nib meisters at once? And that's the, that's a good way to put it. If you can't get in there early, you want to get a friend that can hook you up, say, hey, can you put my name on the list? 
um, and have someone do that for you. Even if you go, even if you come Friday, I'd put your name down and you know, you're going to be there Saturday. I'd put your name down late Friday for Saturday. (laughs) You know, they'll start a Saturday list even early um, then and for the next day. So yeah, after the first couple hours of the show, I mean, they're done. I mean, they are booked for the day. And if you think you're going to purchase a pen and walk over to Mike Masayama at three o'clock in the afternoon and get something done, well, you're in for a, a rude awakening. And it's just something that has to be planned if you're trying to do it. This is the first pen show where I'm not bringing anything to get worked on. So I've always been real cognizant of getting this done the very first thing. And you just want to get it out the way because it can take a while. Do you just not um, have anything that you need or want? Uh, there's a couple things that I want, but I'm going to be so busy um, doing other things at the show, like I like taking in the show and then working on Saturday and Sunday for uh, Van S that I don't want to get wrapped up in the hours of, you know, thinking about, you know, getting things done um, as far as Nib goes. I have two pens actually that I want to get worked on, but I'm just going to wait until after the show and then I'll probably send them off to someone to get done. Um, I'm just not going to have time this year to, to do that. So that's kind of my, that's my thinking. Yes, I have some nibs I want to get worked on, but I think I will pass on this show and just, uh, just go for it. Um, after the show and go from there, but get in early, get your name early, then go about your shopping. And if you can't get there early, see if you know someone that's going to go there early and they can put your name down on the list for you. So that's a, that's kind of a crucial thing if you want something done. Outside of that, probably the biggest topic that came up, um, which kind of surprised me, I, I didn't really think about it that much in the past, although we've kind of mentioned it in, in passing a little bit, is haggling. So people are wondering, you know, are can you have these discussions with these vendors um, about, you know, haggling on the price. So, uh, debt is debt in the chat room today. Um, debt put it in the, in the Slack room. It says, would love to hear some discussion about pin show haggling. I'm not very good at haggling period. And I'm always unsure how to do it at pin shows when buying multiple items from one vendor. It seems easier. For example, if I get this and this, you think you can work with me on the price for a bit, but is it permissible or possible to do it for one item, an expensive vintage pin, for instance? And if so, how would you go about it? So this is a case by case basis, but in the general sense of things, vendors who are selling more modern pens, you're not really going to be able to haggle with them because a lot of times their prices are fixed by the manufacturers. So they don't necessarily have a lot of playroom, but if you're buying, say, you know, like three modern pens from someone, you know, and the total comes out to just, you know, say $200, or, you know, whatever, you know, okay, would you take, you know, 190 for that? Could you, is there something, a little something you can do? And usually they can. You're going to get more haggling room on the vintage pins just because it, it depends on the pin too. And it depends on the, the person selling the pin. Um, but like with the vintage pins, you know, they may have had it longer or they may have a larger quantity of that particular pin. Um, but if it's like an elusive, you know, hard to find item, there's probably not going to be much wiggle room. And, you know, some people just aren't going to haggle. Um, you can certainly ask, you know, is there anything you can do? You know, I and I have asked in the past, like I bought a vacuumatic, a restored vacuumatic at the Atlanta Pin Show two years ago. 
and I forget the price. It was like, I don't know, I think it was like 140 And, you know, I looked at it and then I put it down and then I came back later and I looked at it and I put it down and I finally decided that I was going to purchase it. And, you know, I went up and I, and I asked the guy, you know, it was 140. I said, would you take 125 for this pen? You know, I'm not going to say, would you take 70 bucks for this pen? You know, be respectful. These people are here. You know, a lot of these people, this is how they make a living, right? So it's not a garage sale. You know, people aren't trying to get rid of things. They're trying to sell and make money. So, you know, I think as long as you're reasonable and respectful in asking, it doesn't hurt to ask ever. And he said, he actually said, well, you know, I'm selling this pen for someone else. He's like, I have this batch of pens that someone's asked for me to sell. He actually had a price list. He said, well, let me look and see if I can do that. And he looked and he said, yeah, okay, I, I can take 125 for that. And, and that was it. So it was done. But it's kind of a fine line. You just want to be you know, reasonable and respectful. Um, certainly ask with the vintage pens, um, with the modern pens, you're hardly ever going to get any discount unless you're buying several items and, you know, have a several hundred dollar total. And, you know, they might be able to, you know, take 20 bucks off here and there if, if something happens. So, you know, I, it's, it's always worth asking. Um, just kind of don't expect like garage sale pricing. Don't have that mentality if this if you've never been to a pen show don't expect that you know these are people you know who sell lots of pens and they know what they're worth and they know what they have into them so you know and they'll they'll tell you flat out yes i can do something on this or no i really can't do anything on this and if there's something very very specific that you're looking for like you're going in and you're saying i want this exact pen from this exact year with this exact nib and you're able to find something like that Hopefully you've done some homework prior to going so you know what a good price is, right? So you have an idea, is this a good price or is it not? Or, you know, should I, you know, haggle the price, see if I can haggle the price down um, because I think it's a little too high, but, you know, you would never say that to the person, well, I can get it online for this much cheaper. Well, they'll just roll their eyes at you and tell you to move on. But, um, you know, kind of have an idea if you're going for something very specific and you'll, you'll know about the pricing and then it doesn't hurt to ask, but, you know, being reasonable and respectful for everyone there, put yourself in their shoes. And, uh, I, I think you're, I think you'll be okay. So I, I would definitely haggle. Um, but it's not, it's not like the wild west of haggling, I guess, if you will. Right. It's, it's, you know, people might be able to do a little bit here, a little bit there. And they're certainly glad to do it. Um, you know, if you're a customer of theirs and making a purchase. So what do you think? Did you do any haggling? Have you, are, are you a haggler? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not, I yeah. tend not to be, I mean, you know, partly I find it a little bit awkward and uncomfortable and there's sure. this other part of me, which I was just going to mention. So I'm glad that you, you asked me, there are some people who this is their living. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's sometimes just just remember that don't not haggle but like right. be respectful and and I don't know I personally find it to be awkward and maybe a little bit mm-hmm. uh, disrespectful in some scenarios but I wouldn't pass that judgment on people that do it because it is an accepted thing to do in many scenarios but it's just my own personal view on it which is why I tend not to do it right and it's certainly acceptable and you know one tip I can give you okay there's there's going to be a lot of us at the show, right? There's going to be a lot of people that listen to this podcast, a lot of people in our community that all of us, you know, listeners, 
bloggers, readers. And if you see a pen that you're interested in and you may not know everything about it, come find one of your friends here and bounce things off them. You know, like there's going to be so many people there in this community that are kind of in the same boat as you, but they might have a little bit more experience in one area than you do. And it's always good to like, you know, get a second opinion from one of your friends. Hey, come over here and take a look at this pen. Tell me what you think. You know, things like that. Yeah. I do that all the time. Like, you know, my God, I, I know hardly anything, but I'll lean on people that I know that are there and say, Hey, I I found this pen over here. It's really interesting. It's something I've, you know, seen or looked at over the years and it's, you know, 200 bucks. And I'm not, you know, is that a good price? You think that's a good price? Actually, I did that in Atlanta for a vintage pilot pen I bought. I was like, Oh, this pen's great. It's beautiful. It's something I've eyeballed forever. What do you think about this price? You know, to like Mark Backus or Thomas Hall. And they're like, yeah, I think that sounds fair and reasonable because a lot of these vintage pens, you know, we don't have a lot of pricing experience with, you know, that's just not a lot of our realm. So it's good to bounce those ideas off uh, other people and uh, don't hesitate to do that. I have to say a moment ago, uh, Brad said, I don't know anything. So he said he didn't know anything. And, uh, I know that there will be people listening will be like, that'd be silly, of course he does. The The rest of that question is compared to some of the people that, like, <laughs> right. seriously, yeah, compared to some of the people that are at these things, he knows nothing. Right. Uh, yeah, that, as, that. Same here. Like, and you mentioned, like, Mark Backus and Thomas Hall, like, mm-hmm. there, there are people, or like, uh, Lee Reyes, like, mm-hmm. there are these people, they just know everything. <laughs> And yeah. it's incredible. Uh, so if the if you see people of their caliber around, then they're the ones to ask the questions of. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the next topic, and that's testing out pens. So Hutch asks, I'm curious about the protocol for trying pens out. I assume that unless the vendor already has a pen inked up as a tester, that it's frowned upon to ask to try to pen out. Try a pen out. This is kind of the same thing. You kind of got to feel out each individual vendor is different. On the modern pens, most people will let you try them out, but almost none of the modern stuff's going to be inked up, at least in my experience. Um, you know, people who are selling modern pens, they might allow you to dip the nib or something like that, but I just don't see that a lot in the modern stuff. The vintage pens, some of them will be inked, some of them will let you. Um, you know, dip the nib to try it. Um, you know, definitely if you have a favorite pad of paper, bring that with you to try it on your own paper. Um, don't bring your own ink to dip your nib in. Uh, vendors aren't going to want that, but always ask, you know, just don't start grabbing stuff and picking stuff up and testing and, and playing around with like a wide range of stuff because at a pen show this busy and, you know, one person manning the booth, their brain's going to be fried just trying to keep up with everything. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, don't, don't pick up and inspect and look out. But if you're like really interested in something and want to test it out, you always want to ask first, obviously. I mean, it sounds obvious, but you get wrapped up in things, you know, I get wrapped up in, you know, finding something neat and, you know, just not paying attention to what I'm doing or something like that. So, you know, just ask again, it's the whole respectfulness, you know, they believe me, they want you to try the pen because they want to sell it to buy you. It. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you know, have that conversation with the vendor, you know, and, 
you know, even ask them some more questions. What can you tell me about this pen? If it's a vintage pen, has it been restored? Has there been any work done to the pen? Or is it like in the as is state? Has they found it maybe at some, you know, estate sale and there hasn't been any work done to it and say, you know, can I take a look at it and, you know, kind of inspect it? Can I, are you okay if I, you know, unscrew it and take it apart and, you know, look at the inside, see how clean it is, things like that. So have a, have a conversation with the vendor. Um, I wouldn't walk up to anyone's table and just start, you know, going through their pens and, and taking them apart and, and writing with them, you know, unless I had some kind of uh, conversation with them first, at least just to say, you know, Hey, how are you? And let them know that I'm here and that I'm interested in, in looking at a few things. And, but, um, it, just be sure you, it's hard to say this because I get wrapped up into it, but don't be shy. And that's what a lot of our, a lot of our issues are. Um, you know, our, our personal issues for this community, you know, we just don't have that experience and being shy about something you don't know, it, it's just going to happen, but everyone is so nice and they're willing to help you. And you can ask, don't think your questions are dumb. I mean, we all have these questions and again, lean on your friends that are there or people that you've met while you're at the show to help you decide on things, you know, um, Lisa wanted me to make a point that if you are very specific in what you're looking for, like a high quality vintage item, be prepared to purchase it because the next time you come around the room, it's probably not going to be there at a show like this. So that's, that's something you, you should, Lisa said, I should mention to keep in mind, you know, I always talk about, you know, going around the room, getting the lay of the land, you know, there, there's times where. Um, if you see something that you, you know, is a good deal and you've done your research, it, it's okay to just jump on it and buy it the first time around. So, mm-hmm. all right. What to take to the show. Hutch also asked, what should I plan to bring to the show? My initial thoughts, thoughts are cash because vendors may not take credit cards, pens to trade or let others try notebooks, backpack, uh, things like that. So cash is definitely a big thing, but I didn't have too much problem using credit cards if I needed to. Most everyone's at least using like the square readers, but a lot of the vintage uh, dealers, they're not going to uh, deal with credit cards. They'll just use cash only. So if you're looking for that, make sure you have some, make sure you have it. Um, Cash is king, as Carrie says, and I wrote that in the document too, because not everyone will take it. Not everyone will take credit cards. So um, most of your vendors who have modern pens or have online storefronts or physical storefronts, they're going to have, um, some type of, you know, square reader or any type of, some type of, you know, PayPal credit card reader, things in that pens and paper. You should definitely bring, um, if not just to experience what, you know, have some things for other people to try. If they have questions that they haven't tried, you know, it's a big sharing platform for all of us, you know, um, when we're out and about, you know, learning about these new things and to be able to test something and try something that you have or that you don't have that someone else has is pretty cool just to have, you know, I always carry a few things with me just in case someone has a thought and I say, Hey, you know, I've got something similar or I've got that exact pen and you know, you can try it. The haggling part, I rarely see any like trading of pens. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I just rarely see it. Um, I wouldn't go in with a huge expectation that you're going to be able to trade your pens for somewhat something that a vendor has. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with that. 
it probably happens some, I'd say it's pretty small um, amount of trading pins. Like I wouldn't go from table to table, say, here's the pins I have. Are you interested in any of these? I would, you know, look at a pin that, you know, I'm looking to purchase and say, you know, I do have a few pins if you're interested in, you know, maybe a trade and they'll, they'll tell you right off the bat, no, I don't do trading. Um, you know, or yes, let me look and see what you have. But I would expect that they would say, yeah, I'm not really interested in trading, but you know, it doesn't hurt to ask. I just don't see that a lot, surprisingly. Um, you know, I'm not sure how big of a thing that is at DC, um, especially on a day like Saturday at DC, where there's going to be so many people and it's going to be so packed that I don't even know if, um, you know, dealers will have time. I mean, I'm sure they always want to look and see what uh, other people have in case they run across something they really need. But I imagine that's going to be a pretty uh, infrequent thing. Um, the backpack is, is a key for me. Um, I just don't bring a gigantic one because it'll be crowded. You'll be banging into people. You'll be banging into tables. Um, but, you know, bring it enough to bring, you know, pens, papers, inks, whatever, you know, your purchases. Don't just bring a huge one. And uh, be sure to bring food or not bring food, plan for food, you know, bring snacks or plan to take a break in the middle of the day. Um, I've gotten caught on multiple occasions where I've just been going and going and going and like, I'll just crash at like three o'clock and realize that I've forgotten to eat lunch. I haven't drank any water. It You need to <laughs> have a mental idea to take a break during the middle of the day, get a drink, get lunch, get refreshed. You will absolutely wear yourself out at one of these shows. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah. And it doesn't, you think that's a crazy idea that that would happen it absolutely happens i mean you will just get yourself wiped out if you just keep going and going and not stopping so uh, aside from the backpack um fishing vests are like super important um you know you just throw one on it's got six pockets on the front you know if you haven't bought your fishing vest for this show you should go out and shop now um and uh anyone that has a fishing vest on uh is going to get a big hug from me are you going to be wearing one? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I think we're going to see. I think we'll just, we'll have to do a, uh, we should do a contest contest for like the most uh, fishing vest uh, Instagram pictures or something like that because um, it, it's, uh, it, it's going to be hot of uh, with fishing vests in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, Lisa says, don't wear white unless you want ink all over yourself. Well, so. you know, you can wear it like war paint or something. <laughs> That's true. That's true. If you're going to wear white, just just start at the ink sampling table. There's a big ink sampling table and just start throwing it all over yourself and just cut to the chase real quick. So that that is something else that DC has that not a lot of shows have. They have out in the in the concourse type area, they have a huge tables of open ink bottles where you can go out and test all these kind of inks that a lot of vendors uh, like donate to. Um these uh this table so where you can test out a lot of things. So bring your pens and paper if you want to try them out. I've kind of alluded to this earlier, but make friends. This is the single best thing about the pen show. Even if you don't spend a dollar, just meeting people, talking to people, making friends, trying their pens out, letting them try your pens out, seeing new stuff. Um, that's has always been the biggest takeaway for me from these pen shows. It's not what great pen I found. It's what great people I met, you know, 
talk to people, go to lunch with people. Um, yeah, who said it? Uh, Chris Manning. I think he he's going to be a, a vendor at the show. He he's the one that makes like the silver uh, silver barreled pens. He said if you're not at the bar at night, you're missing half the pen show. You know, just the community around this whole thing is a big deal. That's going to be what you're going to remember the most. Not what awesome pen you got. You're going to say, oh, I got to meet this person and they told me mm-hmm. this story mm-hmm. and I got to use this pen of theirs. There's going to be so much like activity after the show, but it'll be in a really relaxed atmosphere, hanging around the bar, you know, the pen attic meetup on Friday. The pen attic meetup is just going to be a bunch of people sitting around, you know, we're going to order pizza and, you know, just sitting around chit-chatting, you know, trying pens, testing inks, playing with paper, all that kind of stuff. That's that's the kind of best thing about this, really. You know, even if you didn't come away with a pen or ink, you're going to come away with memories of the people that you met. Um, the one key is when you're making these friends and you have a group of friends and you see a bunch of people you want to meet, make sure you're not blocking the vendor's table. <laughs> that sounds petty, and but you forget about this when you're like out in the room and all of a sudden there's five of you standing in front of one vendor's table and people can't get to that person's table. The vendor is going to give you uh he's going to give you the stink eye <laughs> and uh, you know, like people can't get to my uh, table from all y'all hugging in front of my table and, and chit chatting. So, you know, there, there's, there's definitely room and, and time and to, to do all this and make friends, but you know, just be cognizant of your, of where you're at in the show. And like I said, from what Lisa tells me on Saturday, it's just going to be, crazy anyway so be sure you make make time for downtime and some hangout time you know after the show lunch go go you know with people that you know you've just met for the day and 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 go out so it, it's it's going to be really really fun from that aspect so i and i mentioned the meetup so friday night seven o'clock seminar room one there'll be signs we're gonna order pizza um you know, the hotel bar is there, so you'll be able to get drinks from there, but it's just going to be a fun time. You know, a lot of people are coming. Um, so if you're there, you better come talk to me. Don't be shy. I don't bite. Um, I do hug though. So if you're in the vicinity and like, I recognize your face from Twitter, I will run and like give you a bear hug. Um, you know, I like just jump on you, um, you know, unknowingly because for some reason I can, I, I do kind of notice faces and uh, I can remember names a little bit. So I, um, I definitely snuck up on a few people at the Atlanta pin show and um, said, Hey, I know you when I don't really know them. <laughs> so expect, expect hugs from me and uh, expect a great night Friday night and expect a great weekend. It's going to be awesome and make sure you share everything. You know, people are going to want to see, pictures tweets i practiced my periscoping this weekend mike i don't know if you i caught saw that. that i i didn't see the stream but i saw the notification yeah. yeah so i'm going to me and jeff we're going to periscope some stuff um it's been pretty fun so we'll ha- i'll put out a post probably wednesday or thursday i'll just schedule it uh, for when i'm traveling and have you know just for people who are interested most people already know where to find me on twitter and instagram and all that but i'll have a link um, on the blog and it's going to be, it's going to be a great time. I wish you were there, Mike. I know how much fun we had uh, last time, but maybe we can work on that next year. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Yep. So, uh, what else on the pin show stuff? I think that's kind those are kind of the highlights I wanted to put down. Those are where I got the most questions about. Um, 
really lean on the community when you're there. If you don't know something, ask a friendly face yeah, because a lot of times those people have the same questions of you or they asked that question last year where they're at the show. That happens constantly. That's been a huge uh, benefit that I've found from being in this community and knowing people, even if you only know their Twitter name or their online avatar, you know, ask people and they're going to be so happy to help you. Um, there's a lot of like-mindedness, you know, in this community and at this show and we're all here to help and want everyone to have an awesome time and you know don't be shy say hi carrie will be walking around with the uh, fountain pen day buttons all over his shirt i'm sure um so you'll you'll know who he is and uh yeah you'll definitely know who jeff is and uh so yeah you'll you'll see lots of familiar faces lots of familiar names and just even if you don't get involved in the buying and selling aspect, get involved in the people aspect of it. That's going to be the thing that's going to stick with you forever. So that's what I have to say on that, Mike. And next week, next Monday, we'll do the re we'll do a recap uh, of the pin show next week's episode. And hopefully I will make it home in time to record or else you're just going to have to call me in the car and mm -hmm. we'll do a, we'll do a live episode as I'm driving home from the airport. But I, sh we land at like, I don't know, 12 or one o'clock Monday afternoon. So I should be able, barring any crazy delays. I'll make it home in time for the show, but uh, don't plan on much uh, podcast prep for me. Kind sir. We'll just do a, we'll wing the DC show recap next Monday. How's that sound? Sounds perfect. That's exactly what I want to hear anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Cause uh, I've got packing to do. I've got pens to ink. I've got backpacks to pack. Oh, uh, speaking of backpacks, people always say people say Thomas Hall mentioned it. Someone mentioned it in the chat room, bring like an extra uh, like stuff sack in your bag. Y'all you know what stuff sacks are? You know what stuff sack is, Mike? No, I it's just like it's like a compressed bag that's empty when you pack it, but it can expand when you fill it on your way home. Cause, so you can put all your loot in it. So yeah, bring bring extra bag to throw in your bag yep. to carry all your stuff home. So anyway, but, that's it. Perfect. Right. Well, for everybody that does attend, I hope that you have a fantastic time. Um, I hope you have, if you even have half as much fun as we have had at Atlanta, you're going to have a great time. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that you will, especially with everybody going. I'm very sorry that I can't make it out, um, unfortunately. Uh, I will not be making like a surprise jump out of a cake or anything. Um, <laughs> I am unfortunately unable to attend this uh, shindig. Uh, but for those of you that are, as I said, have a great time. If you want to find the show notes for this week's episode, head on over to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 167. And we'll be back next time. Good luck, Brad. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thanks again to our sponsors as well for supporting this week's episode. Fracture and Harry's. Go check them out. But most of all, thank you for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs>